Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everybody, to our very first inaugural episode of Sister Speak. I'm Dr. Emma Jane Church, licensed clinical psychologist, and I am here with a a friend of mine who is really somebody who is the inspiration to saying, okay, let's let's start doing this. Let's start sharing stories of women, um, these unsung heroes amongst us, the, the women whose stories don't often get told. And so I have my friend Amy here with me today, and she's going to be sharing about her life and her story. It's a very vulnerable experience. Uh, it's something that at this point I'm used to uh, in my, my field of work, but it's a very brave thing to do. And so I'm thrilled to have Amy here. She is somebody who has blessed me and grown me personally in friendship. And so I'd like to, to welcome Amy to this very first Sister Speak podcast. So it's so awesome to have you here, Amy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, and I appreciate you. Uh, you know, the first time I told you my story, you were like, oh my gosh, would you be willing to share this on a podcast? And I had already had those thoughts. So it just fit like a puzzle piece. It just worked so well together. Absolutely. Well, I think about how we initially met, and I kind of wanted to get your take on what you were feeling at the time. Uh, So since my own divorce about two and a half years ago, which was a very traumatic experience for me, and and life since then as a single mother of three small children, um, it's very challenging to find community and community that's able to support and more particularly able to understand the challenges of loneliness and raising children being both mom and dad and provider and all of those things and so a mutual friend of ours uh connected us and Mm -hmm. so uh, i think it was back in february of 2021 sounds right yeah (laughs) i reached out to you uh kind of strangely saying hey you're a single mom i'm a single mom uh do you want to meet up and we met up at a park Um, with our kiddos what was that like for you to be reached out to how did you feel about the stranger it's it's weird I think I felt even through text um, instead of voice like I just felt a connection with you because I tend to be a loner and I tend to just stick to myself and I don't seek out friendships all the time 
And uh, when you reached out to me, I don't know, something about it, I was like, yeah, I need to meet up with her. And it was just completely out of my normal realm of things that I would do. But, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I met you, it was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I have a lifelong friend now. I can tell instantly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I I can tend to go pretty deep pretty fast. Me too. And so It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and knowing you since then and as our friendship has evolved, I consistently feel very grateful for how open you were to me kind of uh in the midst of both of our struggles just instantaneously like hi I'm Emma and here's the shit of my life here's all my baggage (laughs) and and you met me in that space and so um I've learned so much more about you since that time and I'm really grateful um that you've come to share your story today I was looking over some notes um, from what you filled out and just your awareness about um, the life experiences that led up to uh, some of the significant things that we're going to be talking about today. You're so insightful. And and so, yeah, I just um, I wanted to offer you the opportunity to kind of share about your background and um, and all of the things that led to what you know, we're going to be talking about that we've discussed today, which was a suicide attempt last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's let's kind of start there. T- tell me a little bit about, you know, your origin story. Um, well, you know, you said this happened last year, and that's, that's really accurate because it's coming up on the one-year anniversary. And, you know, it's been really, I guess, weighing on me that it's a story that needs to be told because of all the stigma around depression and suicide and even anxiety, um, people tend to feel ashamed. I know that I've told very few people mm-hmm. about um, what has happened. And you know, even just talking about it that day that we met at the park, like just telling our stories to each other in this safe space, it still is anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. And you know, you still feel it. Um, you kind of relive it a little bit, but um, as far as like my backstory, you know, looking back um, to all the things that I thought were normal were so effed up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, think we I, all think our lives are normal right. until you start to look around as an adult and say, hmm, not everybody has the same background. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, my story started at, honestly, my I guess you could call it a battle with depression because that's exactly what it feels like. Started even when I was in elementary school, which I know sounds morbid and crazy, but there it is. Um, so my mom died whenever I was 17 months old. And, you know, it's it's such a weird grief. And you feel, um, I don't want to say guilt, but just super confused on um how to feel about it because it was like I was four or five when I st- finally kind of started putting the pieces together you know I was looking at these pictures I was like wait a minute that's not the same mom that I have now because I had a stepmom since I was two and you know I brought the picture to my parents and I said who is this lady and they said oh well they, you know they explained the whole thing she had died of uh, melanoma and you know, it was just, she was 27. It was just a super sad situation. Uh, but I was just really confused. I remember going upstairs and holding the picture and just crying and crying and crying because I was just so confused. And the way that it was handled, which looking back, you know, and I'm not here to shame my parents for anything. And that's been kind of my 
um, hesitation with telling this story because I definitely don't want to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I love them. But, you know, I've had to realize as an adult that they've done the best that they could with the skill sets that they had. Absolutely. And the same goes with me and my kids and you and yours, you know. That's absolutely accurate. You know, when when you choose to be honest about your life, honest with yourself, live this one integrated life where you're not hiding aspects of the things that have shaped you, there is this fear. Um, and, you know, I share that in particular with parents as well because I also passionately love my parents. And, you know, our, our parents fail us. Our parents kind of mess us up. And this is something <laughs> that I tell my I tell my, my clients all the time. Um, you know, they're just people, and yeah. they're still growing up too. And so uh, th- they've done the best they could. And sometimes it's not enough, and it's not what we needed, but it can be something that we learn from. Um, and as you said, you know, as parents ourselves, giving ourselves that same grace, you know, oh my gosh, starting a so therapy fund for my kids. Yep. You know, some people start the college fund. I have the therapy fund because I'm like, I'm going to F you guys up just maybe in a different way than my parents must be. Right. Yeah. We all learn from our mistakes, but then we make our own. You know, there's definitely times where I look back. I have parenting moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like cringeworthy because you're just like, what was I doing? (laughs) I have no idea. And, you know, honestly, if I would have known as a kid that my parents were this clueless, I I would have been scared. because Absolutely. I know. I mean, we're all just walking through life. I really thought it. How old am I? 36, you know, that I would know a lot more things than I do. But getting back to um, the story. So the way it was handled, I was crying. And I don't remember if it was that day or subsequent days. But um, I remember my stepmom, who, God love her, she did not have to raise me, but she did. She stepped in. Um, She just saw me hurting. And so she thought, I'm going to take the pictures away. And that's going to fix it. And it didn't. (laughs) Of course it didn't. And, you know, she told me something kind of nonchalantly that she didn't realize how much it stuck with me my whole life. But she told me, you can't grieve over somebody you never even knew. And it sounds so much colder (laughs) than I know that she meant it. She was just not understanding. You know, I don't understand how you're crying over this person you've never met. Because it's my mother. It's Mm -hmm. there's an unspeakable bond you know, it doesn't matter how, who this person is, how far away they are, you feel it. Absolutely. And, you know, that was what was so, you know, confusing. And then, of course, I was born in, you know, the 80s, so it was um, not commonplace for you to take your kids to therapy and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was just kind of left to, you know, soak in it and figure it out on my own. Um, and it just led to a lot of confusion and depression. I mean, even in elementary school, um, you know, I would pray every night to not wake up in the morning. I just, I didn't even know why. I just knew I didn't want to be here. Um, you know, the, my parents, they, I want to say parents, I mean my dad and my stepmom, of course, but, you know, they didn't get along all that great. And, you know, I, looking back, I realize it's because my dad was, probably just so broken himself um you know and that's something that I've had to realize as a parent is we're all kind of broken and you know trying to do the best that we can um so it's taken a lot for me to really kind of forgive some of the the way that things were handled um 
and I'll just kind of fast forward a bit. So um, as far as like the attempt last year and kind of what led to that. So of course, you know, somebody that's been struggling with depression basically their whole life, you know, is going to be really susceptible. But this was my first and hopefully only <laughs> attempt. Um, and it wasn't a cry for help. You know, I've heard people say that, but it I absolutely meant it. And then I had to deal with the fact that it didn't work and I'm still here. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I want to redo it. You know, and even though it's been a year and I feel like I'm not suicidal, I still have those fleeting thoughts and I've fought them my whole life. You know, when you're just driving and you're like, oh, what if I just ran off that bridge? You know, and it's getting people to realize that's not normal. You know, it was just, it's something that's always been there for me. And I've kind of just learned to ignore it. Um, but whenever, so I was in a, um, about a year long, maybe year and a half relationship. And, you know, I have my two kids. He has a, a toddler. And, you know, things were going great. You know, I was really just, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but we had a really good relationship. And we were planning on getting married. And um, all of a sudden, you know, my world was pulled out from under me because my one of my daughters came to me and said, hey, when you left to go to work, he asked me if I wanted to have secret cuddles with him, which that one sentence, you know, I literally felt the room just tilt. Absolutely. And I knew instantly that it was over. You yeah. know, I went from being so happy to like, okay, this relationship's done, and now I'm dealing with, okay, <laughs> did this actually happen the way she said, you know, and uh, thank God that neither of my girls were harmed physically in any way. Um, it was just, it was almost like a, I think it was like a grooming situation, which yeah. I hate that word. Um, but, you know, I have to take my kids at their word, and it didn't matter at the time, like, okay, did she dream it? You know, one of my daughters is more, much more prone to exaggerating the truth a bit. So, you know, I talked to her, but, you know, this whole time she's never wavered on her story. Um, if anything, more details have come out. Mm -hmm. So it's just terrifying as a parent. It's like your worst fear. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, so that was, I was dealing with the loss of the relationship, kind of the, well, not kind of, the betrayal trauma there. Um, and then... You know, when you're kind of already at your, the end of your rope emotionally, you know, I was just trying to get through my days. And I think maybe about a week after this had happened, um, you know, my dad asked if he could call me. And I want to pause right there <laughs> and say that it wasn't until I was 35 years old that I even knew I had daddy issues. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, it's, you know, I thought this whole time we have this great relationship, you know, but I, looking back, it was just me romanticizing the idea of I'm a daddy's girl. You know, we have the best relationship. But, you know, in retrospect, it was there was very little interaction, mm -hmm. you know, because he was just so shut down. But he was my person. He was my only living parent. And so I was just always, you know, I was so excited to see him, you know, but looking back, I mean, it's just, there wasn't really any memories that I specifically have of like just spending time with him. And there are, I think one or two times that I ever came to either of my parents with an emotional issue. And I learned very quickly 
okay, those aren't the people I go to for that. So much pain. And, you know, they hardly came in and checked on me. And it was just like, what is happening? Like, nobody gives a shit. You know, they did all the, you know, the x-rays, which they didn't even x-ray my legs. They didn't even do a full body check on me, which just blows my mind. Um, but, you know, from there, I was sent to a psychiatric facility. And on the way there, of course, they take you by ambulance. And I'm just riding and I'm looking out the back window thinking, how is this my life? Yeah. Like, how is this happening? I was so happy, so in love. I was going to get married in a few months, and now I'm in the back of an ambulance going to a psychiatric hospital. And it just felt so surreal, but I was still numb. I mean, even after the wreck, other than feeling like, crap, this didn't work. I want to do it again. I wanted to hit the rewind button and try again. I still didn't feel anything, though. There was no sadness. There was no, I knew I should feel sad or even elated that I had lived through it and I would live to see my kids another day but it just wasn't there yeah you know what what has the recovery been like for you since that time you know where you said that we're coming up on a year Mm -hmm. um tell me about how you have managed to continue on you know being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you care for other people through the arts that you practice and, and your skill set um, with, with your work um, and taking care of the kiddos. H- how, have you, how have you found a new normal since then? You know, I don't know that I have yet. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to kind of entertain the idea of maybe it's never going to be the same. I don't know. Um, it's very hard, mm-hmm. extremely hard. And that's probably, the as you know, as a single mom, um, the hardest thing is to be present and be there for your kids and be a good mom when you're so broken inside mm-hmm. and you just want to fall apart and you have no motivation for life and you just want to hide in bed or just cease to exist mm-hmm. at all. Um but yet when my kid comes home and shows me their artwork, I have, you know, I'm like, that's great. That's, you know, but I, st- I, you know, I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always wondered my whole life, like, how can anybody with kids ever commit suicide? Well, let me tell you, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I fully understand it now um, because, like you said, it felt like a selfless act. And I remember kissing my um, daughter before I left for work that day, my, my mom was staying with us and, um, she was asleep and she, she smiled. This is my youngest daughter. And I was so glad she smiled for me in her sleep. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's perfect. You know, like I, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, you know, my oldest daughter, I had already, um, taken her to go be with her dad. And, you know, on the way there, I remember thinking, okay, let's talk about all the good times. Let's bring up, like, happy memories, you know, and I got her smiling and laughing, and, you know, I just soaked it in and enjoyed the moment of, like, I'm glad that this is what she's going to remember is our last visit, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I don't know. I mean, it felt like I was okay to let go because I knew they were going to be in good hands. Now, 
if they had had crappy dads and crappy families, I wouldn't have been able to bring myself to leave them in that kind of care. But since they do have such amazing families, you know, I felt like they were safe. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, that made it like okay in my mind to step out. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And as somebody that's lost a parent as a child, I thought, okay, it's really shaped me as a person. You know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it's really made me appreciate life, um, appreciate the people that I have in it. And, you know, I thought, okay, it'll do the same for them. That's great. You know, that's, so again, all these like check boxes of like good reasons, you know, like this, 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 and this. And, and I <laughs> jokingly, like looking back, I had this aha moment and I'm like, oh, and bonus points, they'll be super careful when they start driving because mom died in a car wreck, you know. So it was all of these things that shouldn't make sense in your mind, but they do. Yeah. And when, yeah, when when you are that low, um, pretty much anything can make sense. And I think what what has impressed me so much in knowing you, so I didn't know you during that time, but but not too shortly after, you know, I've known you as a fellow mom. Our children have spent time together. We have, you know, you kind of build this this makeshift family for like yourself. A yeah. yeah. And your daughters adore you. Um, and you are a fantastic mom. You know, so I was so impressed having having Amy and her kiddos over one day. My kids were with their father. Um, so those were really rough times for me when I'm alone and mm-hmm. kind of just sitting with with my thoughts um, and my own PTSD symptoms. And so uh, having you guys over and they brought all of these amazing fidget toys that (laughs) they had made. And I was like, who is this woman who is raising these magnificent little creatures that are so creative and so resourceful and, you know, you know how I am with praise. Uh, It comes very naturally. It's not with an agenda, but I was just enamored and in awe of them and and reflected that back to them but also understanding that you know those are parts of you that I now know in our friendship you know your creativity your resourcefulness the fact that you know you haven't given up and suicide and suicide attempts we are in an altered state and so that that doesn't define you that isn't who you are um, it is a thing that has happened, but I see the light of who you are shining in your daughters and, Thank you. and for that, I am appreciative, um, for their lives, having you, you in it, uh, not to mention my own life, having you in it. 
Um, and, and for myself, uh, as a psychologist, also having struggled with suicidal ideation at various degrees, um, specifically after trauma, knowing that that is one of the symptoms of PTSD is that you will have suicidal thoughts and sometimes people act on it. Um, You know, I'm grateful. There was a time for me where I was so low and my suicidal ideation had gotten so intense. um, And this was after a rape that I was afraid I wouldn't be able to stop myself. And so, um, you know, that passed and and I'm constantly in my own therapy. um, But, you know, having that connection to you and never judging you for what happened and and really understanding has helped me to appreciate the fullness of your strength Um, and the fact that, hey, we get up every day and we do it all over again, even though it's hard, even though it feels impossible, even though, you know, there's that quote, uh, be careful how you treat people because you don't know the burden that they're that they're carrying. Right. Um, I butchered that royally. It's but okay. I knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, having watched you um, navigate the world and navigate your business uh, without compassion from people, without um, being treated oftentimes even with dignity, um, and it just makes me want to grab people and shake them and that's that's the least of what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pacifist, and yet, you know, there are these times where I just, um, my heart for you, and, and it helps me have compassion for myself, too, uh, says no more. Like, this has got to stop. We've got to start Absolutely. understanding people, knowing their stories, and treating them um, with the dignity they deserve. And also for you, with me, I admire you so much. And that's the thing that, you know, I want I want other people to know and be able to say, hey, this woman is a badass. She's had a <laughs> really difficult life, and yet she continues to show up and do it every day, loving her kiddos and doing her work and blessing people and families with beautiful f- photographs of, of their families and giving them memories um, despite the struggle that you go through. Thank you for that. And, you know, a lot of that I can reflect right back at you, <laughs> you know, not on the f- from the photographer aspect, but, you know, the fact that you give back to your patients through therapy and understanding. And it comes from, I know that it comes from a place of just the deepest empathy because you have been there. You know, you have um, understood a lot of what they're going through. Um but yeah, the reason, I, I think the takeaway from all of this and for me being here is honestly just to raise awareness for, you know, the depression specifically and it, you know, being okay and being something that people can talk about. Because um, even at the the psychiatric facility I was at, you know, I th- it sounds like, oh, great, she's in the right place. No, it was horrible. It was prison literally I mean it was you know we have our rooms weren't locked but you know the building the facility is locked and you know they just put you in a room by yourself with like a padded bathroom door and like all of these precautions in place and there's no tv there's I mean there's nothing absolutely nothing you're just you're in this room with this roommate that you've never met before in your life and it's okay, how crazy are they? <laughs> like, what are, what are, what have they done to get here? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
there was nobody that came and talked to me mm-hmm. that just was like, you know, I think we had to meet, I don't know if it was every day, because I was there for about a week um, with, I guess it was a therapist, but it was more like somebody that was just like there to check off a box and say, there, I talked to him, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like very short, five or 10 minutes, like, okay, how are you doing? But you learn very quickly if you're ever going to get out of there you got to act like you got to really show that you're okay to leave. Yeah. And so it just becomes this whole, okay, how good am I at acting mm-hmm. type of thing, which I know they, I'm sure they're aware of all the tricks, but, um, you know, I realized very quickly, okay, I'm going to have to go to these stupid group things that they do. And, you know, cause it writ- you know, initially I didn't want to do anything. I mean, keep in mind my body is, has just been through hell. Absolutely. I mean, all I wanted to do was sleep and recover Mm -hmm. and just wallow in my sorrow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the fact that I had failed. And, you know, if I could have talked to my kids, I feel like that would have helped. But we got one phone call a day for 10 minutes. And so if I wanted to talk to multiple people, I had to break it up into, you know, five minute segments or, you know, just divide it up between people. And because of COVID, I wasn't even allowed to have visitors. I wasn't allowed to even have my therapist come see me, which would have helped tremendously. Absolutely. You know, and you and you sharing and this this passion for you of um, addressing the stigma towards mental health and even knowing that that stigma is evident oftentimes in the medical field. Uh, and it's not just in our culture. Right. Um, you know, talking about it is is a big step. Um, and knowing that there are resources out there, you know, I would imagine for you that when you meet a person, potentially a person like me, for example, that that can hear it and that can treat you like a normal human being mm-hmm. that doesn't change how I act towards you, um, that can listen, that can offer care and empathy. You know, I think that that is the thing that we're tasked to do in the world. And I would imagine if you had people like that in your life that you felt that you could bring these things to prior, that that might have been really helpful for you. What would you say to somebody um, maybe in in a similar situation to you right now? What, what kind of advice would you give to them? You know, I was thinking about this part, and I knew it was probably coming. And I wish I had better advice. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm really just trying to get through the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you mentioned like having people that you can talk to and reach out to. Those are great, you know, and I had friends that I could have reached out to, but when you're that depressed, you don't want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you close off. And I, I mean, I guess the only advice is just push past that, Mm -hmm. you know, and realize that you're just going to go deeper into the hole if you shut everybody out. Yeah. And as hard as it is, and as much as you don't want to talk about it, you know, reach out to somebody, whether it's just a text and say, I'm not okay. Yes. I need help. You know, just something which, you know, looking back, I don't know if I would have. I mean, obviously I didn't do that, but if I had to do it again, I don't know. You know, I would hope that I would. Um, well, and I, I would... I would know that you would because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you go. You have me in in your life now as a friend, and you know that I will always be here for you. And and we want to normalize this. You know, you you didn't have a lot of experience 
with sharing feelings um, and having them um, kind of responded to well and and not for um, not for reasons that were intended to be harmful, but just because, you know, there is such a stigma around specifically suicide as well as mental illness, but people are very afraid to hear someone is suicidal, to know it, to speak it. People are afraid to ask because they think, oh, I'm going to put this idea in someone's head. And the more that we normalize reaching out and talking about it and, you know, people hearing this podcast, I think the more resources others will have to be able to navigate and do early intervention. You know, we don't yeah. want people to get to that point that you got to. You know, life life happens, traumas happen to where this your story is going to be reflective of other listeners. People are going to be relating to what, what right. you're sharing. And, and I so hate that they do, but I know they're out there. Yes. You know, there's so many of us. And you're doing you're yeah. doing your part. I, I had sent Amy um, a quote, and we're going we're gonna to end with this, uh, but this is something that is very inspiring to me. That's um, a philosophy I hold on to both as a psychologist and, and as a human in the world with my own pain and own stories. Um, and it's by the amazing Dr. Maya Angelou, one of my personal heroes. And she says, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Absolutely. Um, so I believe yeah. in the healing power of storytelling. And, you know, this was something that you felt really called to do coming up on the year anniversary of your attempt. And so, um, hey, you've told it. What does it feel like? Uh, you know, it... Since I'm sitting here with you, it feels like just talking to a friend, um, and I kind of have two modes. I either am completely shut off, or I overshare. It's like once I start talking about it, it's just word vomit. <laughs> you know, it just it just comes out of me. You know, it's just like this open wound, and everything just pours out. Um, it feels good, you know, to be able to put it out there and knowing that you know other people are going to hear it and not feel so alone. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it sounds cliche, but even if it helps one person, you know, it's it's served its purpose. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Amy, so much for coming. Thank you for your bravery um, and your courage. And, you know, Amy Star is on the rise, and I'm able <laughs> to see that. And, and so I can't wait to see all the beautiful and amazing things that are in store for her life. And as she she finds purpose in the pain, you know, I think that that is our calling as we all our healing souls in this world we all suffer in different ways and you know life when you choose life when life is given to you even if you didn't know that you wanted it surprising and miraculous things can start to happen you can meet beautiful people you can have amazing experiences and I know that that's going to be unfolding um and, you know, to end the podcast today, if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal ideation, with mental illness, if you're needing help, if this story resonates with you, please seek it out. Um, there are lots of therapy resources, and I'll make those available um, online uh, for listeners. But also the suicide hotline, the National Suicide Hotline um, is 1-800-273-273. 8255. And in those moments where you feel like there's nothing left, if you can just use your fingers to dial that number, um, you can you can get the support you need to hold on to the next moment to where maybe there's a little bit more there for you to hold on to with life. And so um, 
this has been a really intense and um, important episode today for our listeners. Uh, again, resources will be made available. And I hope to, to see you all again on our next episode of Sister Speak. So thank you, Amy, so much. I appreciate you. I love you. I champion you. And I'm really grateful for, for your courage today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. See you next time, guys. Bye. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Emma J. Church for updates and podcast schedule. Catch the show on your favorite podcast platform or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.